Good morning, Real Life family and friends. And if you're visiting with us uh, today, uh, I'm Tim Hobson. I am a pastor here at Real Life in Montrose and just glad to be with you and have this opportunity to talk about God's Word, to grow in our relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, before we get started in today's message, as a church, I just want to give an encouragement out to those of you who've been following us and been a part of our family. Uh, the last several months, we've been raising money uh, in a campaign to finish a new parking lot and to do some building renovations. And uh, just last week, we got our new sign put up uh, in the front lawn. It looks great. And I just want to thank everyone for their generosity uh, moving us forward on this campaign. We started out trying to raise $230,000 for all these projects. And this is our first phase that we're looking at doing. Um, and at, at, as of today, we're at $182,000. So we're only about $48,000 away from finishing phase one. So I want to say thank you to everybody for your support of uh, what's going on here at Real Life as we continue to try to build the kingdom of God, not just build buildings, you know, but create a space for people to meet God. And it's very important for us to be able to maintain, maintain our properties and uh, keep them up so that people are warm and comfortable and God can fill their hearts with his love. So thank you. And I would just encourage you to consider giving a year-end gift. Our hope is to be able to finish this uh, by the end of this year. So pray about it. Maybe you'd be one of those 48 people that would donate $1,000 to help us finish this uh, phase one project. And then in the spring, we're looking forward to putting in our brand new parking lot. So, well, today I want to talk about um, the last days. And I've been talking with a lot of people, uh, and I've been thinking about this myself too. In our world, the chaos in our world has a lot of people wondering, could these be the last days? Could Jesus be coming back soon? I mean, when we look at our world, we see evil. It just seems to be increasing uh, in our day. There's so much political unrest, so much social unrest. We see still more natural disasters happening around our world. Just the chaos with Afghanistan, all the trouble, all the uh, arguing, all the anger, all the disunity that we see. It's just got all of us stirred up a little bit, you know, and just wondering, wow, could this be the end? Could things get much worse? Maybe Jesus is coming back. So I wanted to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. And this series is called The Church of the Last Days. What will the church look like? What will the church be like in the last days? And as we start this out, let me just define what the last days is all about. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So the last days in scripture is referring to the time period from Jesus coming uh, in the flesh to his return uh, or, or the rapture, okay? So we are actually living in what the Bible would consider the last days. We're in them right now. Now, some of you may say, well, that, that's been going on for 2,000 years. Yes, it has been going on for 2,000 years. This period of time that we're in is referred to in the scriptures as the last days. However, uh, there are signs of the end times, and there are signs that build up to what we would consider the day, the day. And when the scripture talks about the day, that's really talking about the day that Jesus actually returns. And so we are in the last days and we don't know exactly how long these last days are, but just as Jesus taught us, there are signs that give us the idea 
that that day is coming sooner and sooner. Now, it ought to be this way, and it has been this way for the last 2,000 years. Every generation of believers have believed deeply that Christ could be coming and would be coming during their lifetime. And that is the way it ought to be. That is the way that we are to live in our faith in Christ. We should have this hope because it is a hope and it is going to happen. And there is no other way to live. But I want to go through today just some of those signs and some of the teachings that Jesus gave us. And uh, first of all, before we do this, uh, I want to just answer the question, why should we listen to Jesus? Okay, so we have all these prophets, we have all these scriptures for years and years, and then Jesus shows up, and now he is speaking to us, and we have the scriptures that, that share with us what he said. But here's what Hebrews chapter 1, verse uh, 2 and 3 say about Jesus. It says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things. So Jesus is the heir of all things. He is an heir, the, uh, you know, the firstborn son of God who has inherited all things, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So Jesus made the universe, right? He is, the son is the radiance of God's glory. So Jesus is the, the glory of God seen by us and the exact representation of his being. So Jesus is God. He is the exact representation of God. He is God in the flesh. We get to see God. We, some people saw God in Jesus. They touched him. They ate with him. They heard him speak, right? Goes on to say, uh, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So everything is sustained by Jesus's word. After he, sat, after he had provided purification for sin, so Jesus has purchased our redemption from sins. It says, after he did this, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He sat down. He is sitting right now at the right hand of God the Father because his work of redemption is done. So why would we listen to Jesus? Why would we care about what he has to say? Uh, I don't know if I can remember all seven of those things, but basically because he's God because he made the universe and because everything is holding together because of his word, the power of his word. He is the radiance of God's glory, right? And he, he has provided redemption for our sins. He is the inheritor of all. And so because he's the creator, because he's holding it all together, because he's God, because he is the exact representation of him, we should listen to what Jesus has to say. So does Jesus have anything to say about the last days? about the church. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about you and me, the people of God. How are we going to handle the end times? How are we supposed to live knowing what's to come? How is that supposed to impact our attitude, our behaviors, you know, what we do with our time, our resources, our energy? What is the church like in the last days? Does Jesus have any advice for us? Did he say anything about this? Oh yeah. He said a lot, and that's what I want to talk with you about over the next three or four weeks, okay? The church of the last days. And today's message is one of the qualities of the church of the last days is ready. We are ready. You need to be ready. So let's start by just looking at a little bit of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. Just want to read this for you, and this is about the end of the age. I'm just going to read the first 14 verses, okay? Well, actually, verse 4, 4 to 14. So Jesus answered and he said, Watch out that no one deceives you. 
For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and I will and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Something's about to happen. Verse 9, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I mean, there's so much to talk about. And Jesus talked about these last days and the end times in other places. And we'll look at some of those in the weeks ahead. But just to summarize the big picture of what's going to be happening in the end times, I believe the church is going to be facing three big challenges. The three biggest challenges that we will be facing in these last days is number one, deception. Number two, distress. We're all going to be facing distress, right? All kinds of craziness is going to be happening. happening. And number three, persecution. So in the midst of deception going around, uh, distress happening in our world, and persecution, how are we supposed to uh, move forward and live as the people of God? What are we supposed to do? So Jesus talks about this in chapter 24, but in Matthew chapter 25, he goes with three different parables to really, in my opinion, tell us how we are to be living our life. Three different parables immediately following this discussion. He's telling us, this is what we're going to do. This is what you need to do. This is how you're going to do it. Okay. So I want to look at those three parables. And today we're just going to do the first one. And it's in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. And it's called the parable of the 10 virgins. Okay. So let me read it for you. And then we'll talk about it. So here we go. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil, buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Keep watch. Keep watch. Be ready. 
Be ready. So let's talk about this, uh, this, uh, this story, okay? A parable. It's a story. Jesus um, used parables to make a certain point and to emphasize certain things, right? And so the first thing I want to identify about this story is the context of this parable is the return of Jesus. It's really all about Jesus coming back. The bridegroom is Jesus. We are the virgins in this story. So Jesus is coming and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And Jesus says that the main point of this parable is to keep watch, to keep watch, to be anticipating his return, to be ready. Right. Matthew 25, verse 10, we read, said the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. And so the wedding banquet symbolizes our eternal celebration in heaven with Jesus. That's what this is a picture of. It's eternity. It's us leaving this world and entering eternity with him. And so in Revelation talks about this in chapter 19, verses 6 to 9, shows a picture of heaven. Okay, listen to this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. So we got this massive group of people shouting out loud and they say, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. We're the bride. The, the wedding of the Lamb has come. Her bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And that is what we all look forward to, celebrate, the celebration of eternity with, our, with, with, you know, with, with, with the Lamb of God, with Jesus, right? And that's, that's referred to as the Lamb's banquet. And so we all look forward to that. So that's what this story is about. Jesus is teaching about that time coming. And the key ingredient of being ready in this story is the supply of oil. All right, so let's talk about that. Oil in the scriptures represents the Holy Spirit um, and the anointing. And so Jesus was anointed by the Spirit and the anointing was done with oil. And so when we're talking about oil, we're talking about the Holy Spirit or the anointing of the Holy Spirit uh, to do what God's called us to do. And so we have five wise virgins that brought extra oil in jars, and we have five foolish ones that ran out of oil. They did not prepare. They didn't keep watch. They weren't ready. And the key in this story that Jesus is making is the oil. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, as I was meditating on this, because I was thinking about this too, what does it mean to, to, to be ready, to, to watch? I was just looking in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Jesus says, therefore, keep watch, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Later in verse 44, he says, so you also must be ready, be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So he's saying, keep watch, be ready, the whole point of this parable is to keep watch. And I was thinking to myself, what do, what do I do? What do we do as a church? What are we doing? We're just like, are we just standing around waiting? Is that what it means to keep watch or to be ready? We're just waiting. We're just looking. We're just waiting. 
I, but as I was meditating on this, obviously, and, and studying, it's so much more than that. We're not just standing around just waiting for Jesus. What are we doing? What does it mean to keep watch? What does it mean from, from this, this, uh, you know, this story here? What is Jesus really saying about the oil, about the Holy Spirit? This is what I believe he's saying. And I think the key is going to be found in what he said to the foolish, foolish virgins that didn't have oil. He says, I don't know you. You see, what I believe is happening here is not what, it's not that they all had a lamp, right? But it was what was inside the lamp, the oil, or what wasn't there, the oil, that made all the difference in this story. And I believe this is representing a relationship, a spirit-filled relationship that we need to have with Jesus. Now, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11, talks about the Spirit. It says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Do you have the spirit of God in you? Well, you get the spirit of God in you when you trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. When you offer your heart to God and you, you place your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you are filled with the spirit. So there's an initial relationship that is begun as Jesus is Lord of our life. Do you have that relationship with him? Because this is all about a relationship. Jesus said to the foolish ones, he says, I don't know you. Now, you might know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? Does he know you? It's one thing to be walking down the street. I was in California a couple of times and you know, you're in Hollywood. And what are you doing? Oh, you're looking for somebody that you know. Right? You're looking for Sylvester Stallone or some famous person. Like, oh, I saw him at the restaurant or I saw that person. And you say, well, I saw them as if like, oh, I know who that person is. But do they know you? <laughs> do they know you? Does Jesus know you? You might know about Jesus. You may uh, even try to do a lot of things for him. But does he know you? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? You see, this is the critical component for all of us, is the Spirit of God, is this relationship with Him. And so it's not about what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. And Ephesians chapter 5, 18 tells us to be filled with the Spirit. So I believe this idea of keeping watch is to have a Spirit-filled relationship with Jesus. In other words, this is a dynamic and growing relationship in which his spirit is working in us and through us. This is not a stagnant religion. All right. Um, it's not like you can fill your lamp with oil one time and then you don't ever have to pay attention to it again. It's not like it's a religion where, oh, I did that. I'm good. I had that prayer. Um, yeah, I, I, I gave my life to God. Right. And it's kind of like it was the religious thing to do. It was the right thing to do, but I did that. And then you go on and just live your life for yourself. I believe what this is saying 
is that just as a lamp requires tending and you keep filling it with oil for it to keep bright and working, right? This, what Jesus is saying to keep watch, to be ready, is to have a current relationship with him. Like right now, how is your relationship with God? Are you filled with his spirit? Are you growing in, in your relationship with Jesus? That's what it means to keep watch, to be ready, to be it's not like we're just staying around passively waiting for Jesus to show up. It's that we are engaged right now through the Holy Spirit in a relationship with him all the time. Now, when we have this kind of current relationship with the Spirit, then, then what's happening is we are in tune with what God is doing and we don't need to be alarmed when the, these things happen. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. These things have to happen. The end hasn't come yet, but these things are going to happen. Don't be alarmed. You know, he says, hey, I, I've told you these things so that you'd have peace. Now, in this world, there's going to be trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And so Jesus is telling us these things to prepare us and to warn us that as we are continuing to walk in relationship with him, we'll be fine. And Luke, it even says in here, we read it, that, you know, there's going to, some of us will be put to death in, in the last days. Some, some children of God are going to be persecuted to the point of death. And it's kind of interesting in Luke when it's talking about the same story. And the very next verse says, and not a hair on your head will be harmed. <laughs> you know, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so some of us are put to death, but not a hair on our head is harmed. How does that even make sense? It only makes sense in the eyes of eternity. What he's saying is this life means nothing compared to eternity. And even though we may lose our life here on earth, we will lose nothing in our spiritual uh, richness with, with Christ. That we already have life eternal, which swallows up death itself. So you don't even lose anything when you lose your life. In fact, you gain everything. And th that is not just uh, trying to put a little, nice little spin on something that's difficult. It's actually true. Eternity is more real and more true than this temporary you know, world that we're passing through. This is in our home. We don't belong here. We know this. And so Jesus, like, even in that, not, there's no harm that will come to you. In other words, you, you'll be translated right into eternal glory with him. So this is nothing to be afraid of. And for those of us who have this relationship with Jesus, who are filled with the Spirit, the Spirit teaches us these things. The Spirit encourages us and gives us strength and gives us peace and helps us to know you know, what God's true love and heart really is for us. And so we don't stress and worry about the end. We look forward to it because that is the beginning of our glory right there. Now, um, so this is very interesting. This is not a religion. And I, I, I want to say this, you know, very clearly. This is about having a dynamic, real relationship with Jesus where you are current in your walk with him, that's what it means to keep watch or to be ready. Romans 8 verses 5 to 6 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh, on what the flesh desires. But those who, have, who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. They are literally opposites of one another. When you are filled with the Spirit, and you're living by the Spirit, it produces life and peace in you. When you are filled with your sinful thinking and your sinful desires, those things lead to death and darkness and brokenness in our lives. 
They are opposite. They are opposite. And so God wants us to be filled with his oil, with his spirit, because it produces life and peace in us. And so um, the bottom line is being known by Jesus. And here's the deal. Just like we saw the foolish virgins without oil at that moment, they had to scurry around to try to find oil. So first of all, they tried to borrow some. And the, the people who had it said, no, we, there might not be enough for both of us. So you got to go get it on your own. And then they went to try to buy some and they ran out of time. And here's the truth about this. You cannot borrow or buy your relationship with Jesus from someone else. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. I have to have a relationship with Jesus. Does he know you? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Right? This is how we live ready. We live filled with Jesus, with his spirit. We live in a relationship with him. And living a, a religious life of trying to do a religion instead of having a real relationship with Jesus is not going to save you. Let me say that again. There is another story that Jesus, you know, gave. And people came to him and said, but Jesus, I did this for you. And I did that for you. And I cast out demons and I gave this and I did all this. And he said to them, I don't know you. I don't know you. What is he saying? Say, look, if you're li living a religious life, trying to do and not do all the right things and not do all the wrong things, and you're trying to just be a religious person, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that will not save you. What saves you is a relationship with Jesus. I can't be any more clear than that, and Jesus was very clear about that too. Do you know him? Does he know you? And so this story really is all about the rapture and the coming of Jesus. Doesn't it sound kind of familiar, familiar when I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 17? Paul says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, according to the teaching of Jesus, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Do you see this parable that Jesus is talking about is that moment when he comes back and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And we're, when is Jesus going to show up? When is the bridegroom going to come? And all of a sudden, a loud call. He's here. Come and meet the bridegroom, right? The trumpet call of heaven. And then those who are ready, right, spiritually, are immediately caught up with him in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. So how are you ready? How, what does keeping watch look like? Listen, we got to keep developing our walk with Jesus. It's just really simple. Come to church. Keep watching these messages. Be building yourself up. Reading your Bible. Praying. Worshiping. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
growing in your relationship with Jesus, being current in your walk with God. This is keeping watch. This is being ready. We got to be growing. We got to be seeking. We got to be fellowshipping with one another and with Jesus. That's what it means to keep watch and to be ready. And the church of the last days is ready. We are in relationship with Jesus. His spirit is filling us consistently. And we are walking this thing out with him one day at a time. And so those who have fallen asleep, when you noticed this picture here of the, the, the virgins, it says they all became drowsy and fell asleep. A lot of times the Bible uses sleeping as an analogy for death. And so while you are awake, while you and I are alive, that's the only time that we have to be ready, to get ready. Once you fall asleep, once you pass away, once death comes, there is, it's too late to get spiritually ready. That's another point of this, of this uh, story Jesus is making. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we have today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. It says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you're watching this teaching and you're wondering about your relationship with God, whether or not you really have a relationship with Jesus, whether or not you really know him and he knows you, you don't have to wonder anymore. The Bible says today, right now, is the moment of salvation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to begin that relationship with him today by just turning the control of your life over to him, surrendering your life to him and trusting in him as Lord and Savior. And then begin to grow this relationship that he wants to have with you, not just to get you to heaven, but he wants to have this relationship with you for all eternity because God loves you and he made you to know him, to be with him forever. And Jesus came to rescue you and rescue me from our sins and our waywardness and our independence and our pride and our rebellion because he wants you in his family forever. So this relationship begins when we turn from our own ways, we turn from our self-sufficiency, from our pride, and we surrender our hearts, our lives to Jesus. And we place our complete trust and faith in him. And we only have the time that we are still alive to do that. So I have three action points for you to consider. Number one, know Jesus. Know Jesus. Number two, be filled with his spirit and grow that relationship with him every day. That's being ready. That's keeping watch. And number three, share Jesus with other people. Because this news, this is good news. This is only available to those who are alive. Only people who are still alive can respond to this good news. And so we have the awesome privilege to share this good news with those people around us. In the church of the last days, they know Jesus, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're sharing Jesus with other people. So I invite you on this journey. This is what Jesus said. He's the creator of the universe. He's holding it all together. He's our Lord and Savior. He's the redeemer of our souls. I'm listening to him. How about you? And this morning, as we finish this message, I want to invite you to pray a prayer to give your, your heart, your life to Jesus and to begin this relationship. So if that's you, you're ready to pray this prayer with me, let's do it. 
Let's say this in our hearts, okay? Jesus, thank you for loving me and coming to rescue me by laying your life down for me so I could be forgiven of my sins and set free, that I can be filled with your spirit to know you and to live this new life of dependency and trust and faith in you instead of myself. There's no limits, God, in you. I thank you for filling me with your presence right now, your spirit, for saving my soul. Help me to know you more and more every day of my life. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name I pray and trust. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Amen. God bless you. I, I just pray that you keep getting connected. You keep reading your Bible. You learn how to pray. You get around other Christian believers. And let's encourage each other and keep building each other up. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Luke 21, 28. When we consider the, the difficult times that we are in and the difficult days ahead of the end times, according to the scriptures, things look dark, things look nasty, things are getting bad. This is what Jesus said to us in Luke 21, 28. So I want to leave you with a positive verse here. Listen to this. When these things begin to take place, stand up <laughs> and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus says, when you see things falling apart, when you see all this coming, stand up and look up. You know, give your attention to God because your redemption is coming near. And that's a good thing for each and every one of us. So let me pray a blessing on you now. And uh, may you feel God's presence just fill you and encourage you as I do in, in the name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day and a great week.